0: This is Kevin Pruitt with Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Ben Nelson of Lambda School. Ben, how are you doing tonight?
1: Uh, Doing well. Thanks, Kevin. It's
0: good to have you on our show, and can you tell us a little bit about who Ben Nelson is?
1: Yeah, so I'm the uh, CTO and co-founder of Lambda School. Um, Lambda School, it's an online uh, computer science uh, academy that's uh, free until our students get a job. Um, yeah, I'm from originally from Utah, living in California now in the Bay Area. Um, yeah, I was a software engineer before doing this and, uh, yeah.
0: Well, if you're in the tech space, you have to, I mean, it's kind of like a ride of passage to migrate to the, to the San Francisco area anyway. Is that, it's like the yes, whole yep. valley. you got to, you've got yep. to be there somehow.
1: <laughs> you yep, have to make your pilgrimage. have <laughs> to make time.
0: your pilgrimage there. So yep. tell us a little bit about Lambda School and kind of what the genesis was of how this was started.
1: Yeah. So um yeah so two years ago a friend of mine uh, Austin my co-founder mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, uh, running us he was running a school online uh, called lambda school they taught functional programming at the time that's where the name came from. Um, but then uh, anyway he had uh, they had this class coming up and uh, one uh, his co-founder at the time um, ended up bailing um, wasn't able to come in and teach this class that they had set up with actually a couple thousand people it was this free evening class. Wow. Um, so friend Austin called me up said, Hey, I'm in a bind, um, need someone to help me out. I jumped in and, um, come in, you know, came in to teach this class. And, uh, anyway, we, uh, uh just really clicked professionally, uh, from that point and then, uh, you know, grew it from there. Um, so in, in the beginning it was just, you know, some evening classes and mm-hmm. we were thinking maybe we'll do an online coding boot camp. you know, start from there. Cause I had, i had, had experience teaching at a coding boot camp. I was a lead instructor at one in Utah. Um, and then, uh. We just thought, like, oh, let's let's own the online space. Let's do it, you know, do a good job, do online right, um, and then and then, you know, using our, our our sample free evening classes, as you know, as a, you know, to get leads. And um, but yeah, we started getting a lot of momentum, a lot of traction, and uh, uh, we realized that so many of the people that we were teaching in these free classes um, want uh, they would love to do our our paid programs, but they you know they just couldn't afford it, right? Um, so we started thinking about, you know, are there different other ways we could do the financing to, make, you know, extend these opportunities to more people. Um, and, you know, especially too, because we, um, because we're online, you know, we're connected to a, a, an extremely diverse, you know, student body, lots of, you know, people from poor rural areas, you know, things like, you know, people that aren't in a situation to pay a lot up front for an education. And um, so that's when we, you know, we heard about this idea of an income share agreement uh-huh. and... Um, And we thought, okay, well, if we raise some venture capital, um, you know, use an income share agreement, that'll increase top of funnel. That'll, you know, the idea is that if we're online, using an income share agreement should be able to grow and scale a lot better. Um, And that was the premise that we applied to Y Combinator with. And then, um, yeah, in the last two years, it's just been a whirlwind of proving out the different pieces of the model. And um, um, yeah, things are going really well. Our students are doing well. Um, We have over uh, 400 students now um, and a bunch of teachers, five different classes, well, Actually, seven for including part-time classes. Um, yeah, it's doing really well.
0: You mentioned Y Combinator. So, I mean, when you were initially talking about this, that, that thought came through my, through, to my mind, I thought that just sounds like Y Combinator, what he's kind of describing. <laughs> so, I mean, it's interesting how, how, you know, if you listen to podcasts and are in this space a little bit, I mean, you, there started to be some connections that are made kind of even unspoken connections, but is that one reason that you moved from Utah to California was because of Y Combinator?
1: yep yeah before that um i was in utah my co-founder was in california and you know it was an online school so we could you know, work from anywhere. Um, but then yeah, with Y Combinator, that's what got us to come here and, you know, and actually, um, because our student body is all online, we've decided to double down and really like have a remote company and make sure that, you know, we need to be able to understand how to operate a company effectively remotely in order to effectively manage a large student body wow. remotely. Wow. Um, so yeah, so we're about 40 employees now and most of them are, we only have like four or five here in the Bay area. Um, most of them are remote
0: now, are these primarily instructors that you are hiring? Because, I mean, it, it sounds like to me the basic premise is, well, you know what, I would rather you explain the basic premise than me try to explain it. So sure. what's yeah. the, explain the school. We're in an elevator, we're on floor number one, we're headed to floor number 10. Kind of give me your elevator pitch of this is what Lambda School is all, all about.
1: Great. So we um, we started from a, well, started as, as a coding boot camp mm-hmm. um, then worked backwards because um, a lot of coding, boot, like there's just, uh, you can't quite get all the way, um, educationally speaking, like in a bootcamp setting. Um, so we thought, okay, let's let's um, let's create a school that's kind of in between a bootcamp and a university degree. So Lambda School is 30 weeks long. Um, it's full stack web development. That was our first class. Um, we go into CS fundamentals, so computer architecture, data science, C, all of that. In addition to um, you know full stack JavaScript, um, you know Python, and and we t- we teach a lot of you Ruby know,
0: on Rails. That type um, of
1: thing. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't do any Ruby, but yeah, it's a, yeah full stack web dev, and then we go, but we just go a lot deeper than a normal bootcamp is able to go. Um, and then it's an income share agreement, so our students they don't pay until they get a job making at least fifty thousand dollars a year, um, and then at that point they pay us back.
0: Are there other are there other businesses set up on this similar model that you are aware of? Is, is that where you got the idea, or, did, or was this original?
1: You know, we had, um, at the time, we had seen some that, um, it, it's not original. Um, there, it, It's been tried in, in different iterations actually for about, I'm like, i think like 60 years ago there were some universities that were trying it um you know some different economists were pushing what? this idea uh, but it never really stuck um and there were some different boot camps that were doing some like deferred tuition things or tuition guarantees things like that that were kind of halfway there um but uh but yeah, we uh, there's a I think it's Purdue that started using um, that started using an income share agreement um, recently, and so then that that sparked the idea, and that's that's what we came from. So um, now there's there are a few other um, on-site coding boot camps that do it, um, none that are online. Um, right. Yeah. So
0: on an online program, when you've got a when you have a cohort or a classroom or whatever are they meeting together at the same time or are they kind of doing their work at, at their own pace type thing or they have deadlines or how, how, does that work functionally for students that are taking an online course?
1: Yeah. So in, in the very beginning when we raised, raised money, that one of the big questions, you know, that people, you know, what, the big question we were wondering about, like, is this going to kill us or not um, is uh, will people stay in the class if they're not, um, if they didn't pay up front. Um, and so uh, that was the first, like, question we had to set out to prove that we could keep people in class and that we can make it work. Um, and and so, yeah, we it, it doesn't work if it's self-paced. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at MOOCs and the, and the completion rates, they're so low. So we um, – yeah, so everything is live. It's structured, um, you know, live lectures. Uh, students are working in group projects. Um, we, we did a lot of – like social engineering in the course around, you know, how do we help people overcome like their natural tendency towards like laziness? Um, you know, cause that's just, we all just, you know, kind of default down to right. you know, down, down to zero of that entropy and we have to, yeah. to battle that. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we engineered a lot of that like within our course to be able to do that. So yeah, it's all live. It's structured. Um, we take attendance. Um, you know, if they, if they miss part of the day, we know it and we're messaging them and, and you know, and this accountability is really a, a key tenant of, of Lambda school.
0: So the, the $50,000 question as you're describing this model is how do you collect? I mean, it's, it is, I'm sure it's a, it's a contractual agreement that they're signing something before they start the course and say, okay, when I meet, reach the magic $50,000, you know, plateau, I'm going to start paying this back or whatever. But how, how do you enforce that? You know, over, I mean, I, in our best efforts, there will be people that are trying to, you know, wriggle their way out of these agreements and things like that. I mean, how do you how do you do this on a, on an online, broad based, geographically diverse, you know, basis?
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, so Lambda School is uh, I mean, if, if you're going to use the buzzwords, um, you know, it, usually we get lumped into the ed tech you know, category. Um, But we're all we're also kind of in the fintech category Um, And the way that we approached this was really from like a financial institutions perspective. So um, Will there be default rate? Yes. And so it's you know, there's a portfolio theory around that, you know in an acceptable level of default Um, But yeah, as far as like enforcement mechanisms are concerned the students they sign an agreement Um, I I forget the, the specific name of the form but essentially we get CC'd on their taxes and so then um, so then we're able to verify that that they honestly reported the amount of their income, um, you know, and if they don't, it's just like any other loan if they defaulted on it. You know, so, um, you know, there's a credit and, uh, you know, there's a there's a bunch of different enforcement mechanisms right. after.
0: I mean, Uncle Guido comes in and, and cracks their kneecaps and stuff like that. They, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. We yeah. have ways to find you. We, we will. I mean, obviously, I, I would I would think kind of like student loans. I mean, the, I would think the default rate would be fairly low you know, yeah. in a greater scheme of things. I mean, people, people that have gone through this and have gotten jobs as a re- result of this, I would think they would be happy to almost pay back, you know, some of the thing that kind of the thing that helped propel them into this new career.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's brand risk associated with some of the different enforcement mechanisms, you know, so we, you know, we're, it, it's still an ongoing experiment and we intend to, you know, focus on the students and make sure they're happy. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, our, our average, uh, the average Delta in like, you know, pre Lambda school salary and post Lambda school salary is, it fluctuates around like 45,000. Wow. And so, you know, for a lot of these people, you know, they're coming from minimum wage jobs, um, you know, or no job and, right. you know, and now they're making, you know, $80,000 in Tennessee or something like that, where yeah. they, you know, cost of living is really low. And so now it's like, you know, they're, they're, they feel very, very grateful. Um, and yeah, there will be some default and we'll, we'll see how it goes out. We're still young. And so we still, there's, it, it takes time for us to get that data in and analyze it and look at it. But, but so far it's been, uh, it's been positive.
0: Okay. So to, to translate for you, for our listeners, I mean, when you use the word Delta, you're simply meaning change, correct? Just change. Yeah. Okay. Just, okay. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking back to my old algebra days or <laughs> the <old> trig days. <laughs> yep. That's what he means when he says that. So, so yep, let me yep. let me ask you about I'm, I'm deviating from our kind of standard list of questions because you're I mean, the things sure. you're you're asking are just generating more and more ideas and questions and thoughts. But let's sure. let's yeah. go to the flip side of of the equation. Let's go to the end and say, OK, it would be in my mind, it would be in Lambda's best interest to also have agreements with companies that say you're going to hire our graduates you know, do you have that as well? Do you have some companies that have said, Hey, you guys, you guys are really producing quality people and we'll give them jobs. And then they may even help with the enforcement of the repayment type thing. Maybe it's part of an employee benefit type thing or something like that. I mean, are there, have you, have you developed to that stage yet with, with your company?
1: Yeah. So we've begun growing out a a business development team that actively, um, you know, seeks out companies and and we get a lot of impound interest too. Initially there's there's a lot of, um, like, uh, I guess like this inertia, you know, that we have to, we have to overcome. Sure, there's, sure. um, you know, cause I mean, to, to speak frankly, um, there have been a lot of bad actors in the boot camp space mm. and, mm. and the ground has been burned before us a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of companies, you know, they're, they're, um, they've been a little hesitant to, to hire a boot camp grad. So we have to come in and, you know, say, all right, instead of a three month full-time program, we're a seven month full-time program. You know, we go more in depth and, you know, we highlight all these right. differences. Um, but then, yeah, the, the biggest thing is, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of repeat hires. Right. Um, so we're getting companies that, you know, initially were a little, hesitant and now they're coming back and um you know two of them have both like we have have two companies in particular that have hired eight one of them has come back and said they want to hire 50 more um over the next year and then another one is uh for several hundred actually so um yeah so it's um so yeah we're getting that's we're starting to organically get some of that that you know that lift there Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean uh, long-term vision is that you know a student comes to us um, you know, they can attend from their home. They don't pay anything um, and they get a world class education and, a, and you know, and a 98 percent chance of getting a job, you know, on the other end of it. I um, mean, you know, there's always something that could throw it off. But but the idea is that we want to be the best place in the world for taking people, um, you know, from, you know, just moving them to do a better job.
0: Right. Now, what skills are required to enter the program? I mean, can you start from ground zero? I, I know how to turn a computer on to, uh, I mean, what, what level, I guess, of expertise do you have to have to kind of enter the program and are there different levels, different stages, different classes? Uh, you know, that type of thing. I'm, I'm a freshman, I'm a junior, I'm, you know, do you kind of understand the base of the question?
1: Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So our, um, so our main classes, they do, they do start at a pretty advanced level just because, well, I mean, it's not, it, 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 we, we move at a fast pace. because There's a lot of material we have to cover in mm-hmm. the 30 weeks, yeah. Um, you know, and even though it's, it's, it's a, it's like 8am to 5pm, 5, five days a week, you know, for the, for the, the 30 weeks and it, it's still a lot of time, but, but we have to move it at a fast pace. And so, um, and, and part of it too, is we, we don't have like ACT scores or SAT scores or, or GPAs or things like that, that we can really look at that are consistent across the student body, you know, to gauge somebody's, you know, like what their aptitude will be like. Right. Um, so what we do is we, we, we set a high bar. And then we'll accept pretty much anyone who crosses it, um, who can rise above it. And so, um, but then what we do is we have all of this free content and free training that we do that's available to anyone, regardless of what level they're starting at. And then we help them, you know, uh, see if they like it um and and so we have all these free classes that we push the new people into mm-hmm. um you know those are just like evening things you know like a couple nights a week and then if they like it if they enjoy it and then if they can pass our assessments at the end of it then we'll accept them into the full time um program where they're eligible for an ISA the income share agreement um and all that but yeah really it's like like you look at like Stanford MIT and and you know and a lot of those like great top universities and a lot of their value comes from their selectivity and the, and the positive selection bias that they get around that. So, right. um, and, and you know, and, and so, in, in one sense, like just f- from a financial perspective, it's a little crazy that, that Stanford is turning down, you know, thousands of really smart, talented, qualified people that want to pay them a hundred grand, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, so, so our model is more like, it's a high standard and we won't just accept anyone and we don't want to lose quality, but, um, but anyone who can get above it, they can attend, and we're not constrained by like the logistics of like a space. And so, you know, we don't have to buy a new building and get chairs and tables and stuff like that. Right. We just have to hire another teacher if we get fifty more students. That, you know, this month we just have to have more teachers and more TAs. Yeah. And so, um, so it's more flexible that way. But yeah, really, the right. idea is like we'll take anybody as long as they can like meet the meet the standards.
0: Now, is this is the, your platform? Was it created in house, or are you using kind of an off the shelf? classroom platform or how did how was that developed or
1: yeah so and and the crazy thing is like i mean this pro- probably wouldn't have even been possible like you know four years ago um but it's uh we use slack and zoom um and uh, like between slack and zoom we can do i mean 90 percent of everything and we use Airtable table as well for a lot of our data and we build like a couple little of like we have a little a couple little lms apps that connect to that but but yeah really it's just we'd have, just have a lot of third-party services like um Zap- zapier zapier oh, uh, right. i'm not sure how to say it like that's been huge to like getting our infrastructure off the ground too right. just because non-technical people can jump in and connect all of our forms and stuff on the website and um yeah so it's a, it's a little bit of a kind of a Frankenstein, like, you know, or or like Rube Goldberg Goldberg machine a little bit. Um, But now we're building out an engineering team and starting to, you know, build out uh, more of a custom API, um, things like that.
0: So with, I'm assuming with Zoom, you've kind of got the enterprise edition and it will allow up to 200 or 300 or people, whatever the number is that, that the magic number of people to attend, you know, even like, it's almost like a webinar. It's like how many people can, can be on a webinar. But um, as you were, as you were kind of describing the school, um, I was listening to a podcast probably six months ago that is, and I, I'm trying to get the name right, was it called Unschool? That is kind of a similar, almost a similar concept. You you know what I'm talking about where, I, mean, they, I think they worked with like companies like Warby Parker and, and maybe Google, and so it's, or maybe it's UnCollege. Maybe that's what it is. I think it's instead of Unschool, I think it's called UnCollege. But it, it sounds like a somewhat similar program to kind of hack your education, you know, versus the traditional education system. And um, I mean, it sounds like to me in, in 30 weeks, you can almost do the equivalent of, say, IT classes over a four-year degree program, if not yeah. more.
1: Yeah. So actually, yeah. So our 30-week program, hour for hour, comes out to being about the same as like one year of full-time like College classes, mm-hmm. assuming that you're spending two hours of homework outside of class for every wow. hour in class. So if you're doing that for a full year, our class, you know, our course matches that, it's just condensed into thirty weeks. And you could argue that, you know, we're more hyper focused on, um, you know, relative skills, oh, and sure. yeah. you know that it, you know, arguably better prepares people. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, we also use something called mastery based progression. Um, so our students they don't move on to the next week until they master that week mm-hmm. that they're on um and um and you know and there's, there's a couple other different like pedagogical things that we can do in our format that 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 are difficult to do in a standard like university environment um but but a, an example i love to use is um you know if you, if you imagine like two friends you know that out of high school um you know one goes to you know four year degree studies computer science um uh, and then another one goes to a lambda school um the one who goes to lambda school you know there's uh the the seven month program, you know, maybe it takes, um, you know, maybe it takes him or her, um, you know, a month or two to get ready for it. They do the seven month program and then we'll say that they have, you know, a, a couple months on the other end to find a job. So like about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, So we'll say that they go from, you know, zero to getting into, you know, a junior level engineering job in a year. And then you add on three years of work experience on top of that. And then look at where, you know, their peer is at the same end of that four years. And, um, you know, the difference is striking, Um, you know, especially with the development. Like so much of what you learn is on the job. And, you know, we try to like work backwards from projects, work from interesting, you know, top down instead of like typically the university where it's like more of a bottom up, like right. foundational approach, which, so, which actually, um, doesn't, um, it's like the more complicated foundations are easier to learn once you've like, you know, started like with web development and start making things that move. And, exactly. and
0: yeah, so. so, the, the basic premise is, so when you reach $50,000 a year or whatever, is it a, is it a percentage of your salary that you're paying back? And is it over, over a certain period of time, or is it a flat fee or how, how is the, how's the fee structure? Cause I mean, if I'm making 150,000 versus 50,000, I would think it'd be a lot easier for me to pay it back, you know, with a yeah. job that had 150,000. So how, what's the, what's the basic structure with the agreement?
1: Yeah. So it's uh, so they pay 17% of their gross annual salary um, for two years. Um, as soon as they're employed, making at least $50,000. And then the total payment amount is capped at $30,000. So so somebody who gets a $150,000 job, they're not going to pay back $50,000. It's going to be lower than that. So um, the idea is that then it's not uh, you avoid the like indentured servitude arguments right. that pop up, you know, and um, and uh, you know, and then it's it's capped at two years as well, and so and and if they if they lose their employment at some point in that you know period, then then it, it pauses. Um, mm-hmm. If they let's say they were in accounting and they come back and they decide they don't like development or they or they can't find a job as a developer and they go back to accounting and they're making 60k or something like they're not going to pay us back mm-hmm. um and so it has to be within the the field that we trained in um and so it's uh, so really the idea was we wanted to make like a law lo- like kind of like a student loan and structure it in a way that it is as forgiving and as flexible and as like and do risk it as much as possible right. We're only getting paid if the student has a successful outcome, um, and really aligning the incentives there. And um, and and that incentive alignment, um, you know, produces a lot of uh, uh, like like great strategies and things like that that we come up with that you know really guides our business in a, in a positive direction.
0: Have Have you explored the idea of maybe companies paying that as a as a benefit versus uh, the, the employee paying that out of the pocket, or especially maybe in industries that might be hard to recruit toward or or maybe geographic areas that might be more difficult. Like, you know, people would love to, to live in Southern California, but maybe North Dakota, not so much, you know, the, I mean, yeah. those types of things. I mean, that, the, the whole idea of is, could this be a possible benefit as well? And that may be further down the road as you're, you're talking kind of the business development side of things.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's something that, that's an idea we've thrown around, um, you know, and and uh, I mean, something that could be interesting too is, you know, like companies that that sponsor people to go through the course, you know, and they, you know, they pay their, their tuition or, or yeah, pay, like the companies paying like the tuition back. Just like how a lot, you know, some companies will pay back, you know, student loans as a benefit. And, um, you know, and I think, uh, I think a lot of that comes down to, Uh, you know, if the, if the, if Lambda school grads are high quality, um, you know, with our mastery based progression system, it's, it's nice because nobody finishes now, unless we can put our stamp of approval and say, this person knows these 350 things and they've mastered them all. And, and so, you know, if if there's high quality, if our graduates are doing good work, if if employers are happy with them, um, you know, then it makes a more competitive uh, you know market for the for the students on the other end of it, and yeah, and then we'll naturally see those types of benefits and things appear and crop up, and right. and yeah, I, I I would love it if you know if there's some. You know, Fortune 500 company that's willing to pay all their tuition and you know suck them all up. And...
0: There you go. That's right. You have to so, worry about that. But I mean, it is kind of the MIT effect, as you were mentioning. I mean, if, if Lambda can develop the brand and and the, the yeah. you know quality control of its graduates and the, and the you know the, I guess what you're producing and if they're if they're fulfilling the the requirements of the coursework, I mean, I could see that being a tremendous you know brand asset, you know, for Lambda School.
1: Yeah. I mean, really, that's the most important thing. I mean, if our, if our grads are good and if they're getting good jobs, then this is going to be a, a very successful business. Um, and if we, uh, yeah, if we fumble that, then, you know, that'll be hard to, hard to recover.
0: It certainly will. It, it, talk about burned grass ahead of you. That, that yep, that's exactly. burned grass behind you too. So
1: yeah, exactly. You,
0: you've done a tremendous job of fielding questions that I didn't prepare you for. So I, and I'm sorry that I, uh, I, I have I, not, but I uh, the, the, are really, uh, I mean the quality of, of, your answers, I mean, just kind of off the cuff have been, have been tremendous, but let me, Thanks. let me throw you another curve here. Wow. So well, real quick too. It, yeah.
1: um, you sound just like a VC. So these are all the questions <laughs> that we've been you, asked over and over. You've numbers. had so, this conversation yep, before. I've had these conversations a thousand times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm, so, I'm a VC without perfect. funding. So that's <laughs> yep. exactly. I'm a, I want to be a VC. <laughs> so let me, let me kind of play the devil's advocate here just a little bit. So I, sure. I certainly could buy the value of, uh, of a graduate that has had an intensive course in, in a specific genre or industry or or training, if they're going to do that job. Mm-hmm. But what about the, the flip side of that that says, okay, but you're only training me for this job. So my college degree was a little more broad-based, a little more flexible, a little more... Uh, generic, you know, for lack of a better term type thing. What's the, what would be your answer to somebody that's saying, okay, I'm trying to weigh these two options and, and I understand the value if I'm going to be a, a program, if I'm going to be a web developer to, you know, to go through your program, but what about down the road, you know, that I may venture into something, maybe management, maybe whatever. I mean, what would be your, what would be your, how would you come back and say, Yeah, that's a good question, but this is what I would say.
1: Yeah, I think I have two parts to that. I think the first one, you know, if they're, you know, still unsure of what they want to do and, and, uh, you know, before doing Lambda School, then, you know, then maybe Lambda School isn't the best option for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where our free classes are for. So we can help them see if it's really something they want to commit to, because when they're in, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, 100 miles an hour, um, you know, full steam ahead. Um, You know, and then later, once they get into a job, I mean, the. The cool thing about software engineering and computer science specifically is, I mean, it, it trains you to think logically, um, and it gives you a, a, a technological, like, foundation to where, um, you know, it does uh, carry over into a lot of other fields. I mean,
0: For
1: sure. lear- if you – like, from learning – I I mean, that's the biggest thing is like our students, they they learn how to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, And and as they're going through our course, they're constantly learning new things, having to learn them quickly, Um, you know, and, and when they come out of it, they're they're capable of, you know, they hear about a new technology, they can go and they can pick it up quick. If they want to pick up a new language, they can go pick that up quick. Um, they've been working with teammates in an intense, high-stress environment. Um, you know, there's, uh, we, we provide leadership coaching and things like that with the students. And, and so, you know, it is, it is focused in technology, but, um, but there are a lot of secondary skills that are developed yeah. through that journey that, 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 that do give you some flexibility.
0: I mean just just completing the course itself is an accomplishment in itself i mean just just the fact that you've had the perseverance to stick with something to see it through and um i mean my friend i, I appreciate your answer because i that that is well well uh, rehearsed because i'm sure <laughs> you've been asked questions similar to this but um i could i can just picture you sitting across the table from a from a vc or angel investor and you're going yep thanks that, that's a great question but however yeah we've, we've had that before and here's here's how we would respond to that so let me, let me dive down Thanks. a little deeper with you and, and just talk about sure. kind of your journey specifically with, uh, with kind of getting this off the ground with your co-founder. What would, you, I'm kind of getting back to the questions now here, but yeah. what would you say would be, uh, maybe the one or two biggest and most common, uh, obstacles or pain points that you deal with that, that, uh, maybe even our listeners that have started other ventures, you know, from, from, you know, a solo startup to, you know, multi-million dollar, you know, ventures that could maybe speak into that as well and, and get them involved on a proactive basis. So what would you say would kind of be your top two pain points?
1: Top two pain points. Do you mean like specifically within the business or, or more just kind of in general, like going through the startup and, and...
0: Well, with with your business, like that you experienced, you said, "Okay, I we really couldn't." I don't don't want to put words in your mouth, and or lead you. I don't want to lead the witness here, but yeah, yeah, you know, we really struggled with time management when we first got started. We really struggled with, you know, how to develop team members cohesively, you know, with a company culture type thing. I mean, do do one or two things really stick out about, you know, this? one we kept butting our heads against
1: Um, focus. So, um, and and what I mean by focus is there are a lot of interesting ways to make money um, with this platform that we're developing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's, there's a, you know, we're constantly getting emails from, you know, different schools that, you know, ask us about different kinds of partnerships Mm -hmm. or, you know, some, you know, VC that we know will come and say, hey, have you guys considered about trying this Mm -hmm. or Like there's just, there, there's so many different things we can, we can try to do that like really, and, and like my co-founder and I are both pretty like imaginative, creative, you know, like, like more of that like personality type. And so so that's something that we've had to learn to, to pull back on and say like, no, like you know, we're going to say no for now to like all these other opportunities and we need to laser focus and make sure that our core product is, um, you know, serviceable and that it's working and make sure that, you know, we have revenue and that, and that we have a, a good business before we start experimenting with all these other things. Right. And like like those other things are good and we need to do them at some point, but like we, we can't get distracted. Um
0: would you say that's kind of the shiny object syndrome? Syndrome, the, yeah, the squirrel, absolutely. you know, squirrel. <laughs> yeah,
1: yep, <that's> right. <laughs> yep, yeah. And like something that's really helped is we, um, you know, we have a friend that's been sitting down with us and really like, you know, writing down. I mean, this is you know getting into the, um, you know, kind of the the MBA cliches, but like you know, really defining and actually writing it down, like you know, our vision and mission and values, and and then you know, defining what are our core strategies, right. and then. Defining initiatives off of that and, you know, and, and defining our objectives and key results for the quarter and just like getting it down to like this more um, like this, you know, traditional management type structure. I like, sure. you know, sure. um, you know, and, and doing that has really helped us focus and realize just how much work actually needs to happen for us to to make this core product as successful as we intend it to be. Um, Did you yeah. do that
0: based on kind of the the almost the lean startup or, the, or an MVP Mentality, kind of minimum viable product type thing. Did you, I mean, as you were starting them, that to me, that's that's almost that the rails that you need to have in place, or the blinders, I guess, that, that to, to have tunnel vision and focus on what are we trying to create, and you know, let's do it really well. Kind of you know, ideate and and test and and manipulate this particular initial product or vision to really prove the concept, and then we can expand up beyond that or is that kind yeah. of the, the approach?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, one of one of the most valuable decisions that we've made in this company that, that has um, just impacted it so much is that in the beginning we decided that we were going to start a new class um, every month, mm-hmm. and so this was aggressive and ambitious, and there were a lot of long nights, like hiring and getting the structure in place. But um, by starting a new class every month, so they're all overlapping. Um, what this did is that it made it so we could we could learn iterate adapt change the curriculum change the structure yeah. and, you know and and it you know it, it got a little frustrating for a couple of our you know first classes you know the students are like wow like three months ago we were doing a completely different thing and and yeah. you know and, and, and we had to work closely with the students and you know and help them have a positive experience there but 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 now things are pretty stable and now if there's any the ship is bigger and so it takes a lot more energy to move right. it but but it's going in a really good direction now and and it and and it's because we were able to, you know, get seven or eight classes pumping through, and and gained a ton of knowledge, and figured out how to operate it, and you know, and now now we can breathe, and now things are going really well, and we have answers to most of those questions. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so it's a, uh, yeah, I mean. That's that's another like core like value of our of our company has really been this idea around like experimentation and, you know, and constantly, you know, experimenting and, and, uh, you know, trying new things. And I mean, you know, still focused, but like experimenting around the, sure. you know, your direction and, um, you know, and, and just always striving to, to improve the quality. And I mean, that's pretty standard stuff, but that's really made a big difference for us.
0: I mean, it seems like that, too, when you had multiple classes running, that your feedback was more credible. Too. I mean, you kind of had this, you reached this critical mass of, of feedback that said, you know, this, this really is statistically is significant, you know, to, to kind of look at some of these things, these trends that were developing. You didn't just have four students, you had 400 students, you know, versus yep. you know, that type of thing. So what would be another thing that you, you think would be a, a pain point other than this, the idea of just kind of focusing and, and trying to stay, you know, laser focused on that, that main idea? What would be another thing that you encountered on a fairly frequent basis?
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's been a big one. Um, another one, I think, uh, I mean, we're, we're a remote company. Mm -hmm. Um, and so something that, you know, has, has been difficult initially. Unfortunately, I, I worked remotely as a software engineer for a few years before coming into this. So had some experience operating in that environment, but, um, you know, communication, you know, making sure that, um, you know, that we are over communicating, um, because it's, uh, it's easy for, you know, someone to get left out of a conversation right. and they miss a of piece of important information and, you know, formal documentation, um, you know, things like that are, you know, are so important, um, you know, and um, I mean, another that's and, and like, important. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like record keeping. Yeah. Detailed record keeping, um, you know, especially in a remote environment. And that's something that we were a little loose on and, you know, and, and, you know, and it was funny, we, you know, we bring in our VP of finance and, and, uh, you know, we start to grow and become more professional and, and you go back and, and, trying to dig up documents and find stuff from, you know, back when we were first getting started and there's things we're missing. And like, you know, we just had a big, uh, big thing this week where we're trying to find, um, you know, like tax identification information and stuff from the paperwork that we did like two years ago. And, and, um, you know, so that's been something that, you know, as we're scaling, we need to figure out and get more organized and it's in a good spot now, but that those have been things that have been, uh, that have been challenging.
0: Just typical growing pains of a, of a tech startup. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a, a fast-growing tech startup, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're fortunate to experience that pain. Absolutely,
0: yeah. it's well worth the pain. So, let's yeah. let's dive just a little deeper. Just just get inside your head a little bit. So, if there was like one person that you would you would say this person is is an online inspiration to me. If I had to just choose one person and tell me just what kind of one line why.
1: Hands down, Austin Allred, my co-founder. Um, so he's, uh, yeah, yeah. And no, it's, um, it's something where, you know, he's, you know, as a friend of mine, um, from before, but, uh, he's on Twitter Mm -hmm. and, um, just, I absolutely love the way that he thinks, um, the way that he, um, just, I just always is just, uh, you know, overflowing with brilliant insights. And, uh, you know, one of the, is the smartest person I've ever worked with and, um, uh, you know, can't say enough good things about him. And, and so he was someone that I had wanted to work with for a long time. Um, just, you know, just cause I had always, you know, just admired his, um, you know, intelligence and character and, and, um, Uh, and then, you know, I was just, you know, glad I could, uh, jump in, you know, when the time came. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Austin. All right.
0: That's a good testimonial to a (laughs) co-founder for sure. Yeah. you need to write that down because 10 years from now, (laughs) he'll need to hear that. So is there a a life quote that kind of drives you like a one line kind of life mantra type thing that you, I I refer to this a lot because it's really, you know, helps me just continue putting one foot in front of the other.
1: Yeah. So, um, this one, uh, um, uh, you know, you, you had mentioned this before that, you know, the, um, you know, that this might be a question that you'd ask me and, and I had, uh, been thinking about this uh, for, for about a, for a few weeks now and just trying to think of, you know, which, which quote and which, which one is, um, and, and the one that, you know, I had, a, I had a list of them and, and the one that stood out to me the most is, um, uh, it's, it's less a specific wording, but the idea that you know one of these days you're going to going to pick up your child for the last time, and and not know it, you know, and that's the last time that you'll ever hold that child wow. because they'll be big, and 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 that just made me realize like, you know, in the moment there are all these things that are going to be happening, and and you know, and and just not to let it pass me by, and not just be so overly focused on distant future outcomes, you know, um, I mean, especially like, you know, in our business, it's all about, you know, investing the capital that we have, our time and resources, money um, for future, you know, growth and, and, you know, thinking in the future constantly. But then, you know, that's something that I have to bring myself back and think like, you know, I don't want to miss my family or I don't want to, you know, let my health sacrifice, you know, right. uh, go down or, or even like with our business that, um, you know, that we're focused on the things that matter now and, um, you know, just really enjoying life, you know, while we're, while we're going through it because, uh, um, yeah.
0: yeah. Life is a vapor. It is yep. certainly, it's a mist. So I, I mean, I, I appreciate that because I, I have a feeling that you guys kind of, Feed that into your company culture as well that I'm, I imagine that the people that are working remotely, you're saying, you know, this is kind of a whole life balance thing. This is a work life balance yeah. that we want to maintain with families, with, you know, uh, faith, with values, whatever would would drive you. And and just to really have kind of a, a holistic approach to, you know, the people that you work with that you really value that as a company.
1: Um, yeah, thanks. And, and yeah, we do. I mean, we. Um... Uh, and, and we value that with our students, too. I mean, really, it's, you know, something that, you know, we uh, it, it, we, we tell our instructors, especially, you know, to kind of think this way, but to, um, you know, to, to love the students mm-hmm. and, it, you know, obviously in an appropriate way. But like, sure. like, um, but, you know, really like, you know, love, love the students and like, you know, love the employees. And um, yeah. And so, like, you know, we do. Um, I mean, it's uh, the, the cool thing like we were just doing actually sorry we were just doing some uh one-on-ones this last week and and um a guy that I worked with in my previous job I was able to hire him to come with me and work on on the engineering team here and and uh you know you're we both saying how in our last job we uh, just never felt like really proud of of what we were doing and um you know we weren't uh like like I mean it was you know good work and everything right. but it wasn't like you know super exciting to talk about with other people and um and that's something that we're you know really fortunate to have now i mean um you know i spoke with a student, uh, um, a while ago who he, um, you know, uh, combined family income was like 20,000 a year. Um, you know, and then ended up getting a development job, um, making a, it was, like it was like around 80,000 a year, mm. you know, it's a huge, huge shift. And, you know, and he, uh, you know, was, was crying and, and was, you know, just saying how, you know, gratefully was like, now he his like, you know, his daughter can have her own bedroom. You know, and, and you know, and we had another guy who, you know, was, you know, struggling to support, you know, his family working at a warehouse and, you know, and just, you know, a difficult situation with, you know, with kids and family and, and, you know, and then got an amazing, you know, developer job, you know, working at Uber actually. And, and it just like, we just have dozens and dozens of these stories and it's cool to see how, like, like. If um, you know, if Lambda School just vaporized today and was gone, you know, looks like we know that that um, that through our efforts that these students, their lives, and like their posterity and, and their family members, like, are going to be blessed and are going to be changed and benefited. Yeah. And and that's a really powerful idea that you know um, that you know gets me up in the morning and makes it makes the work really yeah. fun beyond just the you know the pursuit of building a good business.
0: And it's not just this generation. I mean, it, it has a, it'll it will have a generational impact. Yeah, um, I mean, as you were you were talking there, I, one thing I haven't asked you about, I mean, is is the is the uh, the largest portion of your student base is it in the states or is it are they all over the world? I mean, how do you? Uh, I would I would think that would be problematic. Somebody on the other side of the world trying to trying to you know tune in from eight to five, you know, I'm assuming yep. Pacific time or eight to five Mountain time or whatever. You know, it might be at one o'clock in the morning their time. I mean, so are majority of students U.S. based? Or North yeah, America based, so, anyway.
1: yeah, yeah. So there's a couple issues that we have around um, going international. Um, and so we, we are launching in the United Kingdom at the end of this year. Um, but but most students are ninety-nine percent of the students are you are in the US. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really the big limiting factor is the um, um, it's the, the how to get repayment. It's done. the IRS and,
0: connection. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, different in sense. a single country. Yeah.
1: Um, So it's, it's a lot of legal work that has to be done for every single country individually. Um, and so we're, we, we have a roadmap we're rolling out to some different ones, but yeah, it's in the U S and it's, and it's pretty distributed broadly like across the United States. Mm Um, initially something we were a little concerned about is, you know, what are we going to do for the guy who's living in rural North Dakota, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, or the girl that's living, you know, and, you know, and backwoods of, you know, like Tennessee, you know, and, and, and are they going to be able to get jobs? And and what we found is that the people in the rural communities actually have an easier time getting a job um, because there's less, uh, less competition in the marketplace, yeah. you know, Kroger out in the Midwest, you know, needs to hire a ton of software engineers and, you know, and where do they get them from? Um, and uh, so we've actually found that the people out in like the boonies are, you know, able to get jobs pretty quick, um, you know, or they re- relocate. Most companies offer relocation.
0: So, if I'm a, if I'm a company looking for a software engineer, am I, am I looking at a graduate that does not have a bachelor's degree with one that does have a bachelor's degree in the same vein, if they've got the same training or what, how, how have your students found kind of the job search versus, you know, somebody that's got a, you know, computer science degree or whatever?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, um, Fortunately, software engineering is a, is a little more of a meritocracy than than other, um, you know, than some other professions. Or, the, or there are no like government mandated requirements around, um, you know, having to have a degree or something like wow. that. Um, and so that that really opens it up. And um, I th- I really think like in computer science in general, I think there's the most. I mean, I wouldn't say the most, but there's definitely a lot of openness towards hiring people without a degree. And it's never a barrier. Right. I would Um, say
0: you may be right. It may be the most open. Um, I mean, I'd say the barrier might be HR people, you know, the barrier, just company broad HR people that might say, well, every job has to have a college degree.
1: Yeah. Some automated filter. I mean, that's, that's really it. Um, if they can get in front of them, like, like, i bet been in, in many situations, like maybe not the MIT students and Stanford students, but for a lot of the colleges, um, you know, our students can, uh, uh, you know, can probably code circles around a lot it's of these CS. Hold their
0: own, yeah. Yeah, because they're just
1: spending more hours actually exactly. coding. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, as we wrap up tonight, I, w- I, want you to, I want you to take yourself back kind of pre-startup self, and and if there was like one piece of advice you would give yourself, you man, I wish I knew this two years ago, or I wish I knew this four years ago, or um, Yeah what would be that one thing that you would tell yourself that would be a game changer for you today?
1: Um, yeah, I think uh, read more. Um, I've, I read a lot, but like reading more and reading more um, like business books, um, like specific, like particularly like finding the smart thought leaders who can recommend good books to read, right. you know, because there's a lot of, a lot of books that, you know, that are kind of a waste of time to read, but sure. like finding the, the influential thought leaders um, finding the books that they recommend that you read and read those. And that, you know, because I've I've done so much reading over the last two years since starting the company and I've gained so much knowledge. And like, if I had had that from the beginning, that would have helped a lot. Um, the other thing is I wish that I had had a stronger foundation in, um, just like statistics, probability, and mental math, like just being able to like crunch numbers quickly in my mind. Um, just because, it's every day, you know, like you're constantly, you know, running through those numbers and, you know, thinking probabilistically, like, like, you know, every little thing we do moves the needle and increases the probability of success a little bit. And just like those mindsets, um, those are some things I wish I had uh, um, perfected a little bit earlier or not that they're perfect now, but like I wish I had earlier.
0: And it's not just a VC sitting across the table asking you to crunch the numbers and with the questions they're asking. It. It's, <laughs> yep, it's just yep. every day, you know, that you yeah. encounter that. So. Well, Ben, it, it has truly been a pleasure to, to have you on the podcast today, and and uh, I just I, I love the story and it's just the the whole theory behind Lambda School, and and I really appreciate you you taking the time out of your day to really unpack this and and uh, really lay a good foundation for our listeners. And and who knows? I mean, there are people that are listening to this podcast right now that this this will be a perfect fit for you know as they as they engage and they're they're thinking, okay, what am I going to do with my life? What you know, a kid coming out of high school saying, I, I really like this space. Don't really think I want to go to college and end up with $80,000 in debt, you know, over a four-year yeah. coursework. And I could be working in, in 12 months in a field that I love anyway. You know, what a, what a great concept. And dude, I, I really appreciate kind of the heart behind the company as well that has come through very clear in the interview and in, in the chat we've had tonight. And, and just thank you and your, your co-founder just for helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Ben, thanks again.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much. If you're around the Bay Area, um, go grab coffee or something. Love to drop in. <laughs>